The Biscuit is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hey, everybody, it is Tim Miner, and I want to welcome you back to another spicy batch of The Biscuit Podcast. It is October the 10th, and today I'm flying solo feeling a little lonely there is no one sitting across the desk from me to play off of so i'm gonna have to figure this one out on my own luckily we have a jam-packed calorie-filled biscuit today courtesy of andy go our producer we have had him on the go all pun intended uh over the last week getting some great sound first there is another installment of shan wallace's uh kind of travelogue of her journey through her residency with the roll-up in the Camp Green neighborhood. And then Andy went out to the launch party for the Around the Crown 10K second year this week. It's hard to believe it. I mean, it seems like Around the Crown just happened. That's because it did. But they're moving it to the spring next year to accommodate the RNC. So Andy's going to sit down with the brains and the feet behind Around the Crown, Brian Mister, about What's going down? What to expect in the second year? And probably a little bit of celebration of the amazing event that that happened. And if you didn't go out um, to watch hundreds of Charlatans run around the Beltline, um, it was a pretty joy-filled experience. I, I did not run it, and uh, we'll be getting into that later uh, on in the Biscuit. But uh, I was there to take pictures, and even down towards the end, People were just having a ball. It was just seeing Uptown from a different perspective, and that's one of the reasons I that we want to champion Brian and his team. He just saw an opportunity to look at Charlotte and look at running in a different way and add a lot of creativity, everything from the logo to the merchandise, um, you know, the sustainability aspect, but just giving people a really fun morning and a way to, to enjoy Uptown that they don't normally uh, have a chance to do. So... But before we get into all that, it is time to play Queen City Quiz Show. We did not have a winner last week. We had a couple of people guess, but nobody got the actual answer of what sandwich uh, cracker was developed by the Lance Cracker Company in Charlotte uh, during World War One, and it was the peanut butter cracker. I mean, born right here in Charlotte. So let, let's let's go with another. Charlotte invention this week. All right. If you know the answer, email it to hello at charlotteiscreative.com and you could win pizza from Benny Pinello's with or without me and Matt. So we will definitely buy you pizza. But if you want, we will actually eat the pizza with you at Benny and Benny Pinello's. I mean, so it's it's as you prefer, right? If you know the answer to this question, which is what symbol of construction in Charlotte was born right here in the Queen City. Radiator Specialty Company. That's a hint. What was born in Charlotte? If you know the answer of what symbol or ever-present item related to construction and Charlotte traffic was born here in the Queen City, email the answer to hello at Charlotte is Creative. Now, before we jump into things, uh, I also have to thank our incredible sponsors that make everything possible. That's Ortho Carolina, Crescent Communities, and Four Eyes Productions. Uh, I unfortunately had an opportunity again um, this week to pay Ortho back for 
their incredible sponsorship where my daughter uh, thought she broke her thumb playing field hockey this week. So um, we put another notch in our frequent flyer card uh, at the Ortho Minor Emergency Clinic uh, because my kids are the most accident-prone athletes in Charlotte, I think. We are also a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Uh, that's going on two years now and just incredible. Uh, and then I also want to ask you if you if we mildly entertain you. I mean, r- literally, if you're if you're just not bored listening to this, pop over and give us a five star review on Spotify. Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you listen to this podcast, uh, we would really appreciate it. It helps us. So I've rambled on long enough. Andy, let's get going. Hey, Biscuit listeners, this is your producer, Andy Go. I went over to Noda Brewing Company's North End location last night to chat with Around the Crown organizer Brian Mister and also hear from some folks who ran in the event. We'll jump in with my quick conversation with Brian first. All right, Brian Mister, uh, inaugural Around the Crown 10K. How are you feeling after it? Uh, feeling good. Feeling really good about it. I feel like it's... um. It's fast forwarded for next year already. We're we're already here, ready to go, and ready to kick off 2020. The 2020 Around the Crown 10K will be held on Sunday, May 31st, 2020. So we are going to become a spring race next year, thanks to uh, RNC and all the events that are happening downtown, uh, dealing with that. Okay, so that uh, so uh, the events in Charlotte uh, sounds like that factored in to that timing decision bit. Yeah, certainly. So um, with the RNC coming to town, just like uh, when DNC did, there's a blackout period around that of about six weeks. And a lot of races and other events like Pride Festival and, and things like that are having to move and shift around. So some some are moving after it into the fall weather. Some are moving it before it. Um, and there's just a lot of um, shaking around that time. And we kind of had looked at doing it. And we decided, you know what, let's just pivot this year. and move to the spring and, and have some fun with that. And uh, some of the people that couldn't make it out last year because of being a fall event or being on a holiday weekend allows us to change things up for a year and, and see if we can get some new people out there running around the highway. That does sound like an opportunity to reach a new crowd and do uh, some cool new things, but that also sounds like your turnaround schedule for next year the, is, is, is compressed a bit. It is compressed. Uh, my wife and I, the uh, two employees of Around the Crown, if you will, thought we had about a you know, three-month break and in total a 12-month span between the two, like you would between an annual race, uh, got shifted up to about seven months to go. Just like last time uh, we kicked it off here at NOTA, February 6th of this year, we're now back on October 9th doing it all again. Um, so the, the, the silver lining is there that after 2020, we will have about hopefully a 15-month break unless things change again. But we should be back to Labor Day weekend for 2021 and the years beyond. So, last question about next year's event, then we'll recap this year's. Yeah. Uh, any major changes to the course coming up for next year? Yes. Um, we are moving from Romare Bearden Park to First Ward Park, so that completely changes our course. The section of 277 is still exactly the same, but we will start and finish at First Ward Park, and you'll have about two miles before getting onto the highway this time. Run the three miles of the highway, and you have about a mile after it. Um, confirming the, the minor details of that over the next week or so with CMPD and NCDOT, but um, 
it's looking pretty solid that uh, we got it nailed down uh, actually this morning. Wow, <laughs> in real time, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is, you really are building the plane while you're flying. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's talk about this year's events. Man, it just, uh, again, it was electric. I, personally speaking, anyway, again, I ran the events, uh, had a great time, and just at the end of the event, uh, you know, I saw you, and I told you what I, I, I thought in that moment, which was, was that it was just such an amazing sense of community. You know, it felt like more than a race. It felt like a, an event that the whole city could be proud of. Um, what did that morning feel like for you? It was, one, it was awesome seeing you and seeing a lot of other people cross the finish line that, um, that all said very similar things. And I, I think it was, it was hearing, hearing an idea come to life for the first time. You know, you see it and that's one thing, but you're, you're taking it through your own eyes when you have someone else who's done it and now reporting back to you that, like, they got chills when they got on 277 or like tears came to their eyes and like things like that like that's just it was crazy to hear and we we heard it from a lot of people and that it was just they felt like their city came together to do something great and they really wanted to back it and that was um humbling for us i think is the is the main word that we've been using um it was it was a really fun day for my wife and i uh, i wouldn't have had it any other way what was uh what was something that surprised you that you didn't think about at you know out at all really in the months leading up to the event that on race day at any time before during or after the race really kind of like hit you and you know left a, left a mark on you yeah i think um both of both my wife and i had talked about one of us running the race we talked about it on the podcast with you um and i think that my wife wanted me to do it more than i wanted to do it we weren't really sure what it would look like Instead, we both ran together to um, one of the overpasses on Church Street where runners were coming past and under us and got to see that. And I, that was a really emotional moment for both of us to like see this whole thing actually taking place like under our feet. And um, that was really cool. I think the other thing that worked well was um, the sustainability aspect of it. The city really uh, seemed to enjoy that from the feedback that we got through a survey that we sent out. Um, and we're going to keep that rolling. We're offering a discount this year if you bring back your speed cup or if you bring your own hydration device, we're taking a dollar fifty off a of registration because we're not sustainable if we give you another one. I don't want you to make beer pong out of it. I want you to bring back the same one you used this year. Um, so that's something different we're doing with the registration this year. And it's been cool to see different people, be it um, volunteers or companies, reach out wanting to support and sponsor in different ways because of the sustainability efforts that we've been taking. That like kind of just fell into place. Fantastic, because I've actually saved my cup. So I'm going to save my $1.50. I love it. Yeah. Um, so what is something that you want to try and improve upon for next year? Uh, it seemed like the event went off without a hitch, and there were certainly uh, you know, no major calamities that at least caught the public eye or anything like that. So, um, But is, was there anything that you felt like you particularly want to focus on for next year that you could do better? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great question because you have a lot of people like you ask for feedback, and as a as a small business owner, like you want feedback. It's great to hear that everything went well, but you want to know like what are those things that we could have done better on? What are those opportunities? Um, and you're right to say that there were no fires. There wasn't any like behind the scenes or you know on the stage. It was actually a very smooth event thanks to our event management team and the volunteers and the police and the highway patrol. Like it was awesome. Um, things that we the biggest piece of feedback we heard was the course length. Um, we were we weren't able to get out and certify or measure it because it was on a highway and it was on a highway backwards. So there's no way to actually measure that beforehand. So now we have some data from that. We have 5,000 data points from it. So we can um, 
pull that and we're really hoping the course is, it was about 0.15 short is kind of the average that we've heard. So we're hoping to, um, this year's course, even though it's a, a brand new one, um, we're hoping that we were able to measure it a little bit better through the same system that we had this year, knowing we needed to add on about 0.15. Um, I think that was probably the biggest piece that we're really looking forward to changing this year. Awesome. Um, what, for people who want to sign up for next year, what's the spiel? Uh, ATC10K.com. Uh, website has been updated and ready to go. Registration opens at 7.04 tonight, which is uh, October 9th. And um, the so, first... So it will be open for people here this. It'll be open um, tomorrow morning. And um, the first price increase happens in a week, just like last year. We have one week to get you in there hot. Um, prices have gone up this year because, um, and I'll, I'll be completely transparent about that, last year it was a let's get people into this thing and hope it works out and build the plane as you're, as you're flying it kind of thing. We have, it, it works, and we're still below um, kind of the average price point for a race of our size and, and our scale. So we're starting at $35. Um, and then next Tuesday at 11.59, it'll raise to $40. So get in in this first week and get in on kind of that early bird pricing. Uh, to, to run 2020 on 277. I knew it was a pretty good price when I signed up last year, and I signed up early, too. Yeah. All right, anything else you want to say, Brian, to uh, the listeners about uh, this year's race, last year's race, or, well, anything at all? Yeah, um, we're pumped to have back a lot of the same sponsors as last year. Um, we've had some more reach out that will come out in the, in the weeks and months to come that the city has responded with a lot of um, positivity and optimism for this race, which is incredible. So really thankful for that. And then also Beneficiary back with Partners for Parks, raising more money for them. And uh, just hoping to get more parks around our beautiful city. Awesome. Brian Mister, thanks so much again for your time. Thank you, man. All right. Um, so what was the experience like being able to run on 277 for Around the Crown? Okay. I thought it was surreal to run on a, on a highway, obviously, with no cars, but it was a fantastic run, well-organized, and a great day. Oh, I agree. I'm not a very fast runner, but it was nice to be able to be out there and run through Charlotte and on the highway. It was, just a, it was a lot of fun. It was amazing, like being here in Charlotte, living in Charlotte, and being able to run around 277. You'll never, we'll never be able to experience it again until next year when it happens again, I guess. But just being a part of the inaugural one was amazing. To be able to see all the Charlotte running community, I feel like I saw everybody I knew, and it was just a really great time to be able to see the city in a different capacity. I guess it was one of the few times that I actually got to get on 277 and go somewhere without the traffic. So. <laughs> It was pretty cool, though. I mean, I knew we were running on 277, but it really didn't get real until you're coming around that bend, and then you see it's, it's all empty, and then seeing, like, the, the mile markers and stuff. So it was, it was kind of cool. It was, it was kind of nice. I liked it. Yeah, and while you're running on the highway, you see other people coming down onto the highway. That made the visual of it was real nice. And you actually don't realize how many hills are on that highway until you're running on it. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I ran it too. That, that, that third mile marker was. Right. Yeah. I really think it was an amazing experience to just be able to be on the highway without all the traffic and, and cars. And you don't realize, I guess, the distances that you're traveling because you're in a car and you're going so fast. The distance and, and like you said, the hills. Mm -hmm. that, that was really something. We enjoyed it though. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. I, I knew Brian had been playing something to be like unique and something. Um, oh, I, I just love that idea. Just doing something way out of like character for Charlotte, way out of character for like run, you know, races. I say that as a race director myself. Like just doing something that unique is just so much, so much more fun than uh, so yeah. So I was just like 
actually like really really pumped up about it when I first uh, first heard about those plans. Oh, it's definitely one of the coolest races I've ever run. Just again being here from Charlotte or not from Charlotte, but living in Charlotte and just being able to run around the city was amazing. Um, something that you can't compare it to, you know, being on the actual highway of the city. Did you run a PR? I did. I did. <laughs> oh, it was great. I did. <laughs> We're around the crowd. Pacer. I was a pacer. 20 so seconds. I, I, I got it. 20 seconds. I got it in. Yeah. <laughs> I was a pacer. Yeah, I was one of the pacers. <laughs> You got a PR. Yep, right, I did. Right, right, I rung that PR bell at uh, CRC. Had <laughs> As part of an ongoing series profiling Shan Wallace, a Baltimore-based photographer currently working in Charlotte through a residency at the Roll-Up CLT, in this next segment, we're going to hear Shan talk about Sisters with Stories, a collaborative project that she's been working on with the YWCA. You'll also hear from Rebecca Stickle of the YWCA talking about their experience working with Shan. Sisters with Stories is a really important project to me especially because I'm a black woman and I want to center myself and my fellow sisters in a body of work that goes beyond our accomplishments, that goes beyond our pain, but that truly highlights and shows each other who we are, shows the world who we are and how different we are, but this sisterhood that we all have. I believe as black women, we are share very similar um, sentiments about the world, about our experience, about our bodies. And so I think it's really important to exhibit that. I think it's really important for us to show disconnectedness that we have with one another as sisters, regardless of where we come from and how much money we have, or if we have kids or not, or our identities and um, our orientations. And so if it was really a real treat to be able to exhibit this work at Hodges Taylor and have people come out, folks that I've seen before, familiar faces, folks that I don't know who just had heard about it. But all we all came together and talked about the importance of a project like Sisters With Stories, the importance of all of the work that all women do, but especially black women. You know, me being a black woman and I'm at the roll-up, which is an establishment, an institution that is founded and directed and ran and maintained by a black woman, Jessica Maas. And then going to the Y going to the YWCA and photographing black women and talking to them and really connecting and showing them that this is a collaboration and that this is how we build sisterhood and this is how we build community was really phenomenal. And then heading to Hodges Taylor and Elder Gallery that's both owned and ran by women, it really goes to show that this connectedness that we have as women goes beyond the things that we can attain, goes beyond our zip codes, goes beyond um, our capabilities. But there is a community of women worldwide doing a certain type of work. In some way, somehow, we're all coming together and accommodating one another and showing up for one another. And so I really want to give a big shout out um, to the women at the YWCA, to the family at Hodges Taylor and Elder Gallery, and certainly Jessica Moss, who made all of this possible, 
but also is a black woman who I'm in community with, who I work closely with to make collaborations and connect the dots like this. One of the things that I really enjoyed working with the women at the YWCA was that this was something that we had planned, but we didn't know exactly how it was going to go. And I showed up with an open heart, with an open mind, so eager to meet them, and that was reciprocated. So that set the tone already for how this collaboration was going to go. And so spending time with them, getting to know who they are and where they come from, learning more about where they've been, um, hearing more about their own individual stories and experiences, and hearing about their joy, hearing about what they their dreams and aspiration and goals, it really, again, felt so good to listen and to try to translate everything that they're saying, everything that they're feeling through the images, which I feel like that I did. We had one woman, Angela, who actually attended Hodges Taylor for the show, which was really phenomenal because to me, that's what it's about, you know, like... It's about including people who are not the most famous, who are not the most heard from, including communities of people who we don't usually hear from. And so Angela being um, in attendance made it really special because she was also um, an exhibit. Her photograph was in the exhibit and she was able to speak about her experience and just seeing her there, feeling the joy that she felt, feeling seen and visible, just truly affirmed to me why it's important to do this work and why Sisters with Stories is important because I certainly want Black women to reap the benefits of the work. I want Black women to be able to feel supported and find solace in the storytelling, in the commentary. I want black women to be able to connect to the work that I'm doing, but also connect to the sitters and the things that are being talked about in this work. And so this collaboration was ideal because these were strangers and I didn't know what to expect, but what we actually created together was beyond my expectations, beyond my imagination. As I look at and analyze this ongoing history as we write these pages and add these pages, as this history becomes celebrated and preserved, I believe that there needs to be a very specific lens dedicated and committed to capturing and archiving and preserving and celebrating the history of Black women the history from before, because there are so many Black women's names and faces we won't ever know who have made large contributions to society, to the world, and we won't ever know them. And so with Sisters With Stories, I keep that in mind. I keep in mind that at one point in time, Black women were only being photographed or included if they were in the company of a man or if they were successful. And so Sisters with Stories is, its main goal is to always photograph black women, 
the everyday black woman, the one that is feeding her family and going to work and celebrating her 40th birthday or celebrating her 12th birthday or young black football players who happen to be girls. You know, like the goal is to show us in all of the lights, professional, personal, who we are in our homes, who we are in our communities. And so Sisters with Stories is probably one of the most meaningful um, projects that I'll ever do because there's a real, real true dedication and commitment that I have with this project. There's a personal sentiment that I share with all of the women that I've talked to, with Black women in general, that drives me to do this project. But also, I again, I just want to assert Black women into museum spaces, into spaces that have historically left us out. I am Rebecca Stickle, director of the Women in Transition program at the YWCA Central Carolinas. The YWCA was thrilled to partner with Shan on her Sisters with Stories project. It was a project very aligned with our mission of empowering women and eliminating racism. We have two transitional housing programs at the YWCA in addition to our co-ed fitness facility and our youth programs. Our Families Together housing program serves homeless families with minor children, and our Women in Transition program serves adult unaccompanied women transitioning out of homelessness. While here, participants benefit from on-site supportive services, one of the greatest benefits is collaborating with community members and volunteers whose talents and passions align with the interests and needs of our participants. In this unique case with Shan, she was willing to come offer portrait sessions for any interested woman of color participating in our Women in Transition program as part of her Sisters with Stories project. She held individual portrait sessions with each woman on site at the YWCA, and afterwards she actually gifted two printed portraits to each woman with a handwritten note. And in talking with those participants that engaged in this, afterwards, the frequent comment I heard was how at ease Shan made each woman feel, despite the intimidation or feelings of insecurity or self-consciousness that can come from sitting across from a camera lens. It was a first-time experience for most of these women having their portraits made, but I think Shan's personality and her desire to capture who each woman was authentically comforted each woman, and it's certainly shown through in her portraits. One of the participants shared that she proudly has both of her self-portraits on display in her room at the YWCA. Another participant is eager to follow Shan's future projects and possibly collaborate again, since this was such a positive experience for her. I don't think we always have moments or reminders of our own strengths and beauties, especially when living in crisis mode and feeling the day-to-day stressors of working multiple jobs, not being able to afford fair market rent, or having a fixed income and nowhere affordable to live in your own hometown. The YWCA strives to help each woman rediscover her self-worth through our service delivery. And it was clear through working with Shan on this project that that's something that Shan seeks to do as well through her art. Having a self-portrait by a professional photographer is certainly a luxury that Shan made accessible for an incredible group of women we're serving. We at the YW are grateful for the ability to collaborate with Shan on this important project.
Thanks again to Brian Mister and Shan Wallace for speaking with us. And of course, thank you, the listener, for tuning in to The Biscuit Podcast. That's all the time we have for today's episode of The Biscuit. Remember to subscribe to The Biscuit Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review so that other creative charlatans can hear about us, or better yet, just tell them yourself. Finally, get the scoop on Charlotte's creative scene delivered straight to your inbox every week by subscribing to the Biscuit email newsletter. Do that now at BiscuitCLT.com. The Biscuit Podcast was produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings. <laughs>